Welcome on to the Talking Heads podcast. This is McLovin, episode 73 here. Freddie is unfortunately not here, so I'm sitting in the booth with the guys. Pass it over to the next host. Yeah, guys, welcome on in. I'm Chase Glover, and it's been a while since we've all been together. Quinn and Freddie both had COVID at separate times. Freddie is still out for tonight, but we're going to continue on the show. we got to recap some certain things and shout out to my friend James Morgan, who actually got us back on the podcast this week. Thanks for listening, James and Quinn. What do we have? Yeah, like you said, we got a lot we got to talk about. we got to recap the college football playoff uh, national championship game. we got NFL playoffs to talk about. Transfer portal going crazy in college football. Coaching changes all over the place. Rumors about NFL players going onto the wire. It's going crazy in the world of football. We are presented by studentunionsports.com. And really, I'm just ready to hit the music and get started. Every single thing sports. Look, Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback, period. Major League Baseball players are wasting time to bring baseball back to relevance. Look, with 22 teams in the playoff, you might as well just go ahead and bump it up to 30. All right, guys, we're going to be coming back in with a little trivia. We're going to do it kind of different this week. We're going to we're gonna go around the table, and eat, all three of us are going to ask three questions to the other two, That so that way... It's a little fair share, a little different, something different we got going on. Keep telling uh, how many head to heads we win, I guess. I guess so. You gotta keep your own you gotta keep your own mark here. You gotta you gotta keep it. All right. I'll All right. go ahead and go first. All right. All right. The Redskins or the 49ers appeared in the NFC championship game every year from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety four season. True or false? True. True. It's false. Really? <laughs> One year. I thought and, it was in, 49ers. In uh, 85, the Bears played the Rams. Oh, oh that's shoot. right. I should have known that. The 85 Bears didn't play either of those teams. To Oh, well. <clears throat> Chase, what you got? All right, so my first one is the Bengals won their first playoff game last night. When was the last time before then they won a playoff game? 1990. It's like I thought it was like 31 years or something like that. So, are you looking for like a, a year? A year. Maybe Can I year. change my answer? Uh, no, Quinn. Dang, because I know the answer. It'd be 89? It's 91. It is 91. 1991. That was the last time. Before texting was invented, that's a joke yeah. we've been handing out lately. I keep forgetting that playoff games are played the year... I'm still stuck in 2021 right now, and so I did my math wrong. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Quinn, your turn. All right. Wait. Who? Neither of you got that right. Never mind. Okay, go ahead, Quinn. My bad. Whoever can name the most of these is going to win the question. Oh, good Lord. Who are the last three quarterbacks to go undefeated and win a Heisman in the same year? Oh, okay. That's uh. Didn't win the Heisman. Undefeated is tough. Um, the first one that can name two of the three is going to win this segment. Didn't win the Heisman. Was one of them Kyler Murray? No. Oh God. Kyler Murray didn't win a national. No, championship. he didn't. Oh my! Went undefeated and, and won, won the Heisman. Heisman. It's quarterbacks. Hmm. 
Well, guys. Bryce Young didn't go undefeated. Mariota didn't win a championship. Jamie Swinston. That's one of the three. All right. I thought so. I was making sure you didn't lose one. Cam Newton. That's another one of the three. He was? Yep. Oh, I didn't think they and were then, undefeated. It's not China, You're still missing it? the most recent one. Those I'm, are the. I'm, I know. It's there's not still China. one more recent than both of those. It's not Baker. It's not Lamar. Um, this is probably dumb, but it wasn't RG three, was it? No, no. not RG three. He lost either. like four games in yeah. 2011. Uh, I'm trying to think. Come I'm, on, my fellas. mind is going blank from 2017 to like 2019. Um, oh, uh, is that? It's not Baker. Baker didn't nope. win a championship. It's not two and never won a Heisman. Um, oh, is it uh, Trevor Lawrence? No. Trevor Burrow. Lawrence never won a Heisman. It's Joe and Burrow. Joe Burrow. What the heck? Joe 2019. Burrow went undefeated yeah. in 2019 so with LSU. Do I get that since I had yeah, two? Yeah, you had okay. two of the three. So, so I you get went. one. I, just, I am amazed that you got like the two older ones. And not the most recent And not one. the most recent one. We've always talked about how my 2010s knowledge is the best. Like that 2010 to 2015 era. Like I've got that down pat. But I didn't think Cam and then went defeated. Undefeated. They yep. almost actually lost to Utah State. In the very first game of that season, I think it was like forty six to forty two. I could have something crazy. They also almost lost to Mississippi State that year. Mm-hmm. It was it was very close, no, but they ended they up went beating undefeated. Oregon. They had a perfect season. All right, McLovin. All right, the Raiders played in five consecutive AFC Championship games in the nineteen seventies. True or false? True. False. It's true. Yeah, I knew it was, was true. Madden, I just right? went different. Yeah, they lost most of them though because they were playing yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, they only went. They only won the game once. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So I have two. What do you have, Quinn? I have zero. Zero. All right. So name me the year in this player. The last time a Heisman winner was a non-quarterback and also was not from the University of Alabama. This is gonna, you're going to have to reach back for this one. I'm going to tell you it's not in the 2010 era. Yeah, no. And are you taking out vacated Heisman winners? Mm-mm. Reggie Bush, USC, 2005. Exactly. I, was, I, I knew as soon I was, as he said vacated, because I was thinking about trying to think about like – I almost did it, but after. still, even then, it goes before 2000. Yeah, uh, Desmond. Uh, yeah, it was probably going to be Desmond Howard. No, it wouldn't have been Desmond far. Howard. It would have been uh, 1990 – Seven Charles Woodson, Michigan. Oh, yeah, because nice. from there's been four Alabama Heisman winners, and for the last fifteen years, almost all of them except for Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry have been quarterbacks, and well, Devontae Smith, and all three of those were Alabama guys. So, how crazy is that? Nick Saban's changed the game. All right, Quinn. All right, guys. Can you name the only two franchises? And the first person to say both franchises' names will win. The only two franchises to play in at least four Super Bowls but never win. Buffalo Bills. That's one of them. But you you can also say Bills because you have to be the first person to name both. both. Playing four and never win. McLovin, go ahead and say Buffalo Bills, please. Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Thank you. Miami Dolphins? Nope. They've won a Super Bowl. Okay. They have the only undefeated Super Bowl, actually. Oh yeah, they do, don't they? Um, is it somebody like right now that is currently just terrible? They're not terrible, 
but they're just like incredibly average. I'm going to go Vikings. It is the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. The Vikings and the Bills. I just, I, for some, it was between them and the Jag. That's why I asked that question because the Jaguars were on my mind for some reason. The Jags uh, have never played in the Super Bowl. That's because uh, I was like, the highest that I've known they've been is AFC Championship. Two appearances. Uh, and that's it. All right, McLovin. Your third and final one. All right. How many, I got a lot of NFC Championship playoff ones. But oh, good Lord. How many times did the Rams appear in the NFC Championship game from 1970 to 1990? And it's until y'all can guess the number. Four. Two. You can keep going, too. Five. Three. Eleven. Seven. One. Seven. seven. Okay. So, Quinn, go. you got two? I've got two. All right. So, I got three, McLevin. How many do you have? One. Zero. Oh, Zero. McLovin, you got to get on the board. Now, this is my favorite question. I came up with this one myself. I didn't look on the internet for this. What NFL quarterback led the two best yardage seasons for receivers? Two different seasons that have the best yardage uh, statistical season for those receivers. And what quarterback Wait, was what it? What do you? What? Yeah, so so yeah, so. Confusing. What, sorry, I probably <laughs> worded this wrong. I try and write quickly on my notes. So an NFL quarterback has two different seasons where his uh, receivers have the most yards ever in a season by a receiver. What quarterback led those two uh, receivers for those seasons? It's that a current NFL quarterback. If it helps. Such a confusing question. Uh. I struggle to understand what you're asking. I'm going to go with like Rodgers or Brady. You'll probably understand after I, I ask it, say, this will be a bad one. Uh, I was going to throw out Brady too, but I don't. Mahomes, like Herbert, Burrow, Jackson. You get a second guess? Allen. Stafford. Uh, it's Stafford. The two best statistical I, seasons for receivers. Calvin Johnson and the Lions. He has the most yards ever in NFL history. Cooper Cup this season is second ever. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, now that makes sense. I thought so, if I, you would have phrased it like it, it, the phrasing should have been who was the quarterback of the receivers to be first and second in most receiving yards in no, a single there. season. I'll give you all both a point for that. That is my apology. <laughs> Thank you. So my apologies <laughs> on that one. I, I thought that was a cool question, right, though. though it I wasn't a good question. It was just worded really bizarrely. People undervalue Stafford, in my opinion, and he has some of the best seasons yeah, for two receivers. That's his receivers. He's throwing the ball, man. Yeah, but how many rack yards yeah. does Cooper Cup have? I don't want to get into that. <laughs> All right, Quinn, your last question. And how many jump balls did Megatron catch in Chase, how many quadruple you have? coverage? I have three. Quinn, yes, you sir, have three, I have three now. And you have you're one. on one. Yeah, so, one. Levin, I need you to give me a tie with Chase okay. here. Big thanks to the last question. Uh, going into our last question here, I want to know, or I want to ask a few guys, what division in the NFL? Okay is the only division where every team has won at least one Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. What division is it? Hmm. AFC North. It is not the AFC no, North. it's not. It's the oh. AFC East. It's not the AFC East. 
The Bills have never won. The West. It's not the AFC West. The so, Chargers have never won a Super Bowl. I don't know all this off the top of my head. Um, hmm. Oh, oh. The NFC West. Is that with the Rams? It's not the NFC West because the Cardinals have never won. Gosh. It's not the NFC South. Nope. It's n- is it the NFC East? It is the NFC East. Wow. What? The Cowboys have six Super Bowls. Okay. The football team has three. The Giants have four. And the Eagles have one. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Eagles. The only was, division. Yes. When the Eagles won Super Bowl, yeah. what was that, 52? Right there. In the, okay. Yeah, that was glaring, glaring me in the face. I, I really think, wow, don't want to give like, you the win for that, considering no, you give us, like, give us a bonus. You guess the entire – I don't have a bonus. No, we'll get – oh, 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 we'll do this one. Well, or, yeah, McLovin yeah, is that. Yeah, because we're tied. Yeah, never We'll mind. say we're still tied. All I'll right. give you a fun fact real quick. The least is the AFC South. The only team in the AFC South to win the Super Bowl is the Colts. Mm. All right, you ready? Okay. This is the first one to guess it gets it right. Yes, sir. What team shut out the Cowboys in the second round in 1985 playoffs? The Bears. No. Oh. Falcons. Not the Falcons. You could try to because <laughs> yeah, the Falcon bias. Try. Okay, yeah, let's just go good. for the bias. Um, let's see, eighty-five, eighty-five Giants. Is it Green Bay? San Francisco. Man, A lot of else, NFC games for you. Who else I'd, was the eighties powerhouse in that? S- wouldn't have been the Vikings. Um, Saints. No. Nope. Oh my the, god! Buccaneers. Oh, oh uh, Washington. No, the football team. Um, what team? Cowboys? Oh, gosh. What team shut out the Cowboys in the second round in 1985? In the second round in 1985? Oh, the Rams. That is correct. Yeah, he's. Oh, I should have known that because your earlier question was Bears and Rams was the only NFC uh, championship Good game. Lord. And the second round would have been the divisional round right before. And if it wasn't the Bears, then... It's the Rams. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, Quinn, I guess, gets the win on that one. A little technicality there. Um, but let's go ahead and move in. We got to recap some college football. Again, it's been about a week and a half uh, mm-hmm. since we've been able to talk sports on here. So we got to get into the national championship game, Georgia, Alabama, if you wouldn't have went second, Quinn, you might have went with Alabama in your prediction. Like I you might mentioned. have. I, I mentioned off off uh, Mike that I was leaning Alabama, um, but I changed and went Georgia last second. Um, thank goodness I did. Yeah, because Georgia, the yeah, that's the defense we saw all year from Georgia was the they they let power Bama hungry. get down inside the twenty, mm-hmm. but then they just shut them they mm-hmm. shut them off once once they didn't have to worry about like their secondary giving up a big play. Yeah. And they were able to keep the field short. Their their front seven showed up. I was I was texting Freddie during this game and I was like, man, field goals, the field goals, you know, one or two, but they're not going to work every time. You have to score touchdowns in today's college football to win. And especially against a team like Georgia where your your biggest benefit is when you get them down and in obvious passing situations because they're down by three touchdowns, not three field goals. Yep. It changes the way Georgia's offense approaches the game, giving you the upper hand. It's what Alabama was able to do in the SEC title game. 
when they were settling for field goals and then the Jam and I don't want to over focus on the Jamison Williams injury because ultimately I feel like the game was lost in the fourth quarter by Alabama's secondary more so than yep. it was lost yeah. by the J- the Jamison Williams injury didn't help but I don't think with the way Georgia's defense was playing ironically they got hurt or he got hurt on a big gash play but they were giving up the big gash play they just weren't letting it go all the way to the end zone yeah uh, and that was kind of their game plan was let the field get short and then shut Alabama's offense down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was working. Um, honestly, kind of to perfection. There's also a few drops from Alabama players. Specifically Jahil Billingsley. but Billingsley, Latu, that one in the end zone mm-hmm. where the linebackers got mixed up. Um, and then – I, the big I thought I thought once Stetson Bennett had that fumble and then it was recovered that and then Alabama went and scored a touchdown I was like uh oh you know and then was is didn't Georgia score on that free play the next they time scored on the big, free play right after that pass yep. and changed the game yeah I think in my opinion uh, and again I think this has to do with the receivers for Alabama not being on the field is that Bryce Young and Bennett nearly swap spots maybe not in all the statistics but the biggest statistic that reaches out and that freddie let us know last time is that i believe stetson bennett has thrown two interceptions almost every time he's played alabama he threw no interceptions but bryce young threw two interceptions against this georgia defense yep and so let's scale back to this sec sec championship game how do you turn around beat a team by 17 and then come back and lose by 15 in the championship game for Alabama? What do you think changed that second time around? I don't like I don't like using those as if they're equivalents in the sense that Alabama it, it's actually a little less extreme than that. Um, Alabama's 17 point win uh, versus Georgia's 15 point win because they had a point swing on a game ceiling pick six. Whereas it, it's not indicative of how close the game actually was to say they lost by 15. But I think the big switch was Georgia was able to avoid giving up. It, it was a two-parter. Uh, in the SEC title game, Georgia was getting killed on third downs because of receptions that John Mechie was making in the first half. Uh, he was making clutch catches on third downs where they scored most of their points in the second quarter. And it was keeping drives alive long enough and keeping Georgia on the field long enough where they were getting tired and giving up big shot plays to Jamison Williams. That was not happening for Alabama in the national title game. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, Mechie wasn't even in the game from, yeah. the, from the jump, and Jamison Williams gets hurt in the second quarter, which you see their offensive production really drop off in the second half, really, yeah. their only major score comes from the fumble, fumble inside the eighteen. The, yeah, at the eighteen yard line. So, George, the, their offense completely died without any consistent receiver help. Uh, the only, I, I believe, the big play to Latu was the only thing that happened in the second half where they ended yeah. up getting points on that drive. Um, it, it was just a case of not finishing drives when they got down in the end zone, yeah. which is what they were doing. Uh, against Georgia the first time around. And I think a lot of it has to do with Georgia was just a better team. Uh, Al- not that Alabama's team is weak talent-wise, but they're, uh, while the talent might be equal or slightly in favor of Alabama, the experience is drastically in favor of Georgia. And the health factor of the game health. is drastically yep. in favor of Georgia. 
Um, and they played as the better team. And honestly, I want to give credit credits due to Georgia's offense because mm-hmm. they scored a lot of points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the twenty, 20 to nine. Yeah, yeah. like Actually, they won that game in the fourth quarter uh, with two crucial touchdown drives in the fourth, along with a game ceiling pick six by their defense. Um, but I put a lot of the, that win on Georgia's front seven. They did a great job inside the twenty. Yeah, I think Jordan Davis actually showed up because the game plan for the SEC championship was, from what uh, understood from Nick Saban, was to try and keep Jordan Davis, their big man, on the field for a majority of the game to tire him out. But this game, he was all over Brian Robinson in the run game. A few tackle for losses, if I'm not mistaken, from him. He really broke through that offensive line for Alabama. And Alabama's offensive line, again, just it was battered. Uh, the penalties were hurting them. I think Chris Owens was a real weak spot off the edge for them. But I think overall this game, I think it just really, the momentum was on Georgia's side for, for a majority of it. They had the better health, like you mentioned on both Um, sides of the ball. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I I Really? really think the momentum swapped into their favor. Mid third fell back into Alabama's favor, early fourth. And instead of letting the fumble kill them Mm -hmm. like it has in past games between Alabama and Georgia, Mm -hmm. they went down the field and took the momentum right back. See, I I don't know. I feel like it was more when Alabama, when you started stopping Alabama definitely in the first half and only allowing them to get field goals and not let that potent offense score touchdowns, I don't know. I think that really set in for Georgia's defense to come up and say, hey, I can make these plays. But I can't say the momentum's in your favor because when you're looking at that game, you had no faith that Georgia's offense was going to do anything. For like a, for three quarters, their offense wasn't moving the ball. Yeah, well, I mean, you had something. Go ahead, McLovin. Well, I was just going to say that, uh, another thing that I noticed now looking at the stats is that in the SEC Championship, Stetson Bennett threw 50 passes, and their biggest rusher had 38 yards. And then in the National Championship, Stetson Bennett threw 26 passes, and they had two people that had over 70 yards, including that one 69-yard rush from uh, is Dalvin Cook's brother, right? Yep. Yeah, James Cook. Um, so I think in, and definitely in the National Championship, what helped them, their offense, more is that they were more balanced and rather – full pass and causing Setson Bennett to maybe throw more interceptions and have more pressure put on him, and they kind of try to spread it out, and that helped them also in the passing game be more effective with their passes. No, you're completely right. Like, it's what in the SEC title game, the context behind that, it wasn't that they couldn't run. It's that they quit trying to because they were so far behind in points that they needed to throw. Mm-hmm. In this game, the scoreline was close enough that they were able to keep running. I would argue holding Georgia to as few yards as Alabama did rushing, they still shut Georgia's running attack down. What won the game was when Stetson Bennett threw because he got to throw when he wanted to and not because he had to. The passes were like explosive, Mm -hmm. and it helped them win the game. I think the health... Of the receivers, like George Pickens just came in the final game of the season. George Pickens had a huge play in this game, which changes momentum. Uh, a, the freshman tight end, Rob Bowers, Bowers, is so good. He is he is going to be an amazing player in college and definitely in the NFL. He's going to be a top ten pick, right? And he's a freshman right now. I can't wait to see his sophomore campaign. 
but Brock Bowers was amazing. Their offensive line for Georgia did very well at kind of containing Will Anderson. Uh, they did have a couple sacks on Bennett, of course. But, I mean, when you have Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, it's it's really hard to keep both at bay. And Harris, for that matter. And they, I think they did a good enough job as they could do, definitely to allow Stetson Bennett to attack that weak secondary because of injuries and other uh, mishappenings for Alabama. I'm going to be honest. I felt like the game was won after Stetson Bennett fumbled. I, I don't want to over-focus on this moment, but it was it was really a shock to me. Because I didn't expect it. When he had that fumble, I have seen that story a million times between Alabama and Georgia. They make a mistake late in the game, and it kills them. They did not let that mistake kill them. And it, it, I think it's crucial to point out that really their offense got most of their production in the fourth quarter, and it happened after that fumble. A dial switched. They started running the ball as hard as possible imaginable because they knew that they like were in a position where they could win the game. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to score a bunch of touchdowns to come back. They, they needed one touchdown and they executed. It was, it was really magical to watch. I mean, Stetson Bennett's story is incredible. Oh yeah. The, from going from a fourth, fifth option at the quarterback position alone to Juco to back to his hometown college and then sitting for a couple years playing practice squad quarterback and then now um, playing starting in this national championship game. Winning Georgia their first national title since 1980. Mm -hmm. 42 years now, if you want to count it, in 2022. Well, that's um, based on the 1980 season, so it's for, 41. 41 but. Yeah, that was with Herschel Walker, so Stetson Bennett will forever. Freshman Herschel Walker mm -hmm. at that. So... Now, and again, uh, when we talked about this on the podcast, I explained my superstition point. And Quinn, your biggest point was that the fifth game for Jimbo Fisher, he beat Nick Saban. This was the fifth game for Kirby Smart. So do you think, I got to ask that, do you think this is the legend now for Nick Saban, the fifth time his former assistant no. plays him? You're, no. no, that's very quick. I, just, I, I think that's a coincidence in the fact that Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart are the two best assistants he has. Mm-hmm as far as their transition to head coach. Mm -hmm. For example, if Derek Dooley would have coached against him two more times in those Tennessee-Alabama games, do you really think Derek Dooley would have won on his fifth attempt? I don't. I, I, I would don't. not say I, so. I, the key between the Jimbo and the Kirby stuff is they actually have rosters that are somewhat comparable. Not Obviously not exactly comparable to Alabama because nobody is. Yeah. But they're comparable to like Ohio State and Clemson, mm -hmm. where they are good enough to legitimately line up on any given Saturday. And if Alabama's given them their best and they're giving Alabama their best, they can win the game. Mm -hmm. And there are not many rosters in college football that I think that's the case for. Um, so, personally, no. I, I think he could play most of his assistants a million times over and they wouldn't beat him. But. Jimbo and Kirby have the money backing, the fan backing, the resource backing, the recruiting backing, and the coaching ability to actually compete with Alabama. So what you're saying, though, is before the season he comes in, what was it, 24-0? and 
And then this season he loses twice to former assistants. It's just a coincidence. Didn't somebody say on this podcast, I don't know if it was Freddie or somebody said that they thought this would be the year that Jimbo Fisher beat. It was me. Uh, the Quinn's always a huge Texas A&M guy. Beat Alabama and Nick Saban because of his team, and that was preseason, not even them playing anything before. But we really hopped off that train halfway through because I believe well, Jimbo. Because of Zach, well, the reason I hopped off that train early in the year was because Zach Calzada was not meant to be the starting quarterback this year in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And so A&M's roster took a big hit at QB, and I think they still did pretty good for themselves given the fact that Calzada is not – the kind of quarterback that Jimbo wants or thought he would have at the yeah. start of the year. I don't think they lose that game to Arkansas or to Mississippi State if they have a four-star better quarterback playing for them. So what are your thoughts? It's just a coincidence that Nick Saban loses twice to former assistants? Yes. I don't think it's necessarily coincidence. I think this year lined up perfectly. I think yeah. A&M roster-wise is at the strongest point they've been in the last five years, mm-hmm. really probably since they joined the conference. Mm-hmm. And Georgia is at their best strength-wise since Kirby's got there. This is this is the best Georgia team Kirby's ever had. Yeah. Simultaneously, I feel like this is one of, not necessarily the worst, but youngest Alabama yeah. teams that Saban's ever had. And so while they were still not going to be an easy team to beat, all year, I've had this feeling of like, if you're gonna beat him, if you're gonna actually like cement yourself as a legitimate enough coach to beat out Saban in the future, you need to prove it this year, and specifically in regards to A and M and Georgia. Now, I'll give Kirby his due. At the preseason, I did not think Georgia would be the team that would be capable of doing it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I thought they could come close. I just thought there was some juju. Uh, mm-hmm. But it changed come national title game. Good for them. Looking ahead, unless y'all want to sit on this for a that, little bit that's more. That's what I was about to ask. What does this mean for these kind of matchups with Georgia and Texas A&M for Nick Saban, Alabama in the future? Um, next season, I would expect pretty much no one in the SEC to be a legitimate threat to Alabama. Really? You think I'm, it's that much of a turnaround? Well, I don't think there's a turnaround to be had. I, well, they seemed really susceptible this year to they like Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas, Texas A&M was a loss, but Arkansas, Ole Miss were close game. Well, yeah. not Ole Miss this year. Arkansas was a close game. You're talking about a team where most of their stars are still going to be on the team next year. Mm-hmm. They were young, and now they're motivated from losing mm-hmm. the national championship game. They're going to probably do everything in their power to get back to that game. I don't. If I'm a team, especially when you look at the SEC landscape going into next year, a lot of the teams are going to be worse than they were this year. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss is not going to be as good next year as they were this year without Matt Corral. Um, Mississippi State will probably be about the same, but I don't think they're necessarily a threat to take down Alabama. Auburn is probably going to be about the same, maybe slightly worse with Zach Calzada at, at helm at QB. LSU um, they is, just picked up Robbie Ashford, too. Uh, he's from Hoover, went to Oregon, transferred in, by the way. So, cool. Bo Nix, Robbie Ashford, swap. Go ahead, Clint. It, it won't, I don't think it matters. Um, you look at LSU, I think they're going to be competitive, but not a legitimate threat to Alabama. Uh, Arkansas, I think, 
might end up being the Arkansas A and M are going to be the second best team in the West. But neither team, I think, is as good next year as they were this year. I think the only team in the SEC West that gets easily better yeah. is Alabama. Now, two years from now, three years from now, stuff changes. LSU. stuff changes with LSU and Texas A&M and potentially Auburn, depending on recruiting classes and head coaching. Well, specifically um, Georgia and Texas A&M, because now it looks now, like Georgia-Alabama are set up for SEC championship matchups for quite a long time. Next year's Georgia team is going to be in a similar place to where this year's Alabama, Alabama team, team was, yeah. and this year's Alabama team is going to be in a similar place where this year's Georgia team was, where okay. Alabama is going to be the more experienced team. Okay. And I'm sorry, in any matchup where Alabama and Georgia are meeting and Alabama's <laughs> got the more experienced team, and the team that's out for revenge on top of that, g- give me Alabama. Like I, the one of the biggest reasons I was pro Georgia going into the championship game this year was their experience edge over the Alabama players. Okay, that and health, which I didn't predict the Williams injury, but still, yeah, like just missing Mechie alone, I didn't think, uh, and some of the lineman pieces they were missing, but. I expect Alabama to pretty easily win the SEC next season. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a close game or two because the SEC has good teams, but yeah. they're going to win pretty much. I wouldn't be shocked to see them be 13-0 and going into playoffs. McLovin, anything? I agree with Quinn 100%, exactly what he was going to say. Exactly what I was going to say. See, I find it interesting that you're not saying Texas A&M is going to get better. Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class, the best recruiting class yeah, but under Jimbo those Fisher. Those are all freshmen. Yes, but you know there I, are sometimes freshmen that are going to make instant impacts. Yes, but are they going to make an instant impact big enough to beat an Alabama team full of sophomores and juniors? No. No. That's, that's what I meant as far as competing with Alabama. Now, is A&M going to be oh. a bad team? Absolutely not. I think Texas A&M will beat most of the teams in the SEC. They're just not going to be able to beat Alabama. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because, again, we've already been talking about it before podcast off mic, is that Georgia's losing a, a few key guys to the draft already on the defensive side of the ball. That was a stout defense this year. I don't know. And if it's we'll, all in their front seven, too. And it's not like their secondary was good. It, it was it was halfway it was decent. Was, I mean, yeah. and – we don't really know what's going on with the offense. The Heisman hopeful Stetson Bennett might be returning, might not be. Loved. JT Daniels entered the transfer portal. Yeah, and uh, we know there's a freshman, I believe, four-star, maybe five-star sitting under there, Vandegrift. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But it's still, it looks like a pretty good offense. And they, I mean, are they going to still run the SEC East, we think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, next year they should. They're, I think the biggest threat to them in the SEC East next year Talk Probably to Tennessee. Okay, that's what I was. I was. Yeah. I was thinking the Volunteers. I, I like what Hypel's got going. If it's not Tennessee, maybe Missouri has a resurgence in twenty twenty one. They did just sign a top ten recruiting class. You're leaving out Kentucky here. That's what I was. That's you're what leaving I was out Big Blue Nation. I love Kentucky. Kentucky, but I in years where I think Tennessee might be a little stronger recruiting wise, talent wise, brand wise, like. Kentucky tends to benefit from when everyone in the East is bad and one team dominates it. So, you know, there's actually a, a funny stat. Oh, uh, watch for the Gamecocks, too. I like what they're building oh, in South Carolina Beamer. with Beamer. Uh, a fun stat about Kentucky, if you guys don't know. Uh, they are relating Will Levis's 
uh, time at Kentucky to Joe Burrows at LSU. A transfer that comes into a program goes 10-3 and in his first year, which both Joe Burrow and Will Levis have done. And Joe Burrow, we all know, in 2019. That's, that's cool, but there's a factor to 2019 LSU that Kentucky doesn't have. An all-world defense. Hey, man. And two all-pro level wide receivers. You know, we never know what's going to turn up out of Kentucky. Kentucky's national rank is 12. Missouri's is 11 in recruiting. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a sh- I mean, they're going to be decent as Kentucky. I think they're usually a good 7 and uh, 5, 7 and 16. Well, I mean, I, they're going to be a bowl four. team. I, mm-hmm. I, I think Stoops has got them as a perennial bowl team. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're going to be perennial top four in the East for, I mm-hmm. think, for five, six years. Well, uh, we've kind of recapped the national championship game. Let's kind of look on into this offseason. We're kind of seeing some different things with Transfer Portal. We can kind of hit on some things before we move to the NFL. But first, I want to kind of get on to is Lincoln Riley poaching all his players from Oklahoma to USC. Yeah, I mean, we we called it. We called it back when he first transferred to USC. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least I'm pretty sure it was Freddie came on here, and we pretty much agreed with him. I think he said expect to see Caleb Williams enter the transfer portal and go to USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it with him poaching a lot of the kids that he was recruiting yeah. to Oklahoma, taking them to SC. Um, good luck to him. But uh, they're going to be the villains of college football for sure in 2022 because you're a team full of guys who like left one school and just changed their colors and started playing for another one. Do you do you think that they're going to be the top team in the Pac-12? Yes, definitely. Especially if like with the heavy rumor that Caleb Williams is going to take over at QB, there he's mm-hmm. a quarterback talent that just the Pac-12 has mixed with the talent that he's going to be able to play with. Mm-hmm. He, he is the highest level QB talent since Herbert mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. Okay, and prior to Herbert, the best one was Mariota, and he'd never panned out. In the and NFL, yeah. I would say really the only other high-level QB prospect at the collegiate level from the Pac-12 that's on the same level as like a Caleb Williams it was Andrew Luck in the early, early 2010s. You're going to diss Sam Darnold, Matt Barkley, <laughs> USC greats? Yes. <laughs> like they were losing games to Arizona and Arizona State on a regular basis. I, they weren't that great. Yeah. Um, they just looked like prototype quarterbacks and people mm-hmm. drooled over them. But just because you look like the prototype doesn't mean you're actually a good quarterback. Like a high, high level. I'm talking high level. I just, the only ones I brought up were Herbert, who is. One of the best QB, young QBs in the NFL right now. Exactly. And then a Heisman winner and a Heisman finalist. Okay. In Stafford and um, Mariota. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is that caliber QB. And that, that's the Pac 12 used to be dominated by those levels of QBs. Mm-hmm. And they're not really playing in the Pac 12 anymore. I, I expect USC to become like the powerhouse of the Pac 12 going forward. Yeah, they're, the, they're already the biggest brand mm-hmm. on the West Coast. Oh yeah. Now you're bringing in a high-profile coach and high-profile players just because of that high-profile coach. Yeah. Who has a written track record of success? Yeah, I expect this to work 
very well in USC's favor. Yeah, maybe Freddie can jump on that USC top uh, four oh, playoff team Oh, he absolutely train. will. I don't think he'll do it next year. I think that'd be premature. Yeah. But I expect by 2023, Freddie will be like sounding the horn for uh, <laughs> Pac-12 champion college football playoff USC, which I'm excited for the day USC makes a playoff appearance. They're a, they're a big-name program mm-hmm. that has been down in the dumps for too long. Also, I think it's a shame that we hadn't seen the West Coast represented in the playoff since True. 2016 when Washington played in the Peach Bowl. Yeah. like it's was, It's been a minute. They didn't really represent then either. Well, they were there. Well, you know. There and you know actually competing. They, they might only be. lost. They they only lost by seventeen. Uh, it's like that's uh that's Cincinnati lost by what twenty one. It's a group it's a of closer five. game. <sighs> Quinn, I don't technicality. I don't what? care if it's a group of five. I want. I I respect every team that makes the playoffs as a playoff team. What what would y'all's would y'all's if you had to give it a percentage chance of um. Caleb Williams going to UCLA instead of USC. Zero. Their uh, their quarterback just returned. He didn't go to the draft. And he was a big-time quarterback for UCLA. They love him over there. I forget his name. I don't see him doing it either. And I also Gabriel it. just dipped out and is going to Oklahoma apparently. It's, I just feel like if you're not going to go to USC, there's other programs you could go to that are better than UCLA. Yeah, Chip Kelly's just kind of a, a washed quarterback too play under in my opinion um but one other i gotta get your thoughts on this mclovin as well because it's interesting him for freddie i gotta hear freddie's thoughts and so you gotta speak for him is all these alabama players kind of running over to texas and playing under their former oc and sarkeesian we just saw tight end Jalil billingsley going over there who was in the national championship game but a couple other alabama players over the past year and a couple off seasons have went so what are we thinking about that is sarkeesian going to be better is texas going to be back you know brent venables is in his first year at oklahoma no more lincoln riley is texas back does sarkeesian Go twelve and zero in the regular season and win for Texas Big Twelve championship on the horizon. They'll finish third behind Baylor and Oklahoma. Even in first year head coaching, Venables. Yeah. Third, they'll be winning the Red River by twenty one at the start of the third and lose by fourteen. It's what they do every year. Like, I'm sorry. Until I, I love your t- face, Quinn. Your face was just sitting there. <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> until I actually see, will they be better in 2022 than they were in 2021? They better be. They, they were Quinn Ewers. They, they didn't make the. They didn't make a bowl game this year. Oh, they didn't. No. Oh my gosh! I thought they snuck in. I thought they played in like the. They might Jesus have Mayo holiday, it, but I'm pretty sure they went five and seven. I think that's what they. Pizza ball. I don't know. Yeah, no, Five like seven. They they better be better next year. Oh, they were one of the teams that when teams are getting canceled for COVID, they were one of the teams that were on the chipping block Call waiting list. to be to called up. Yeah, okay, so I remember that. Yeah, but they they got the the five star quarterback from the year uh, a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, they'll be better. And then they got a, a, a tight end that was just in the national I championship see, game. I don't. I mean, a second string tight end. I mean, but I think that's I really don't. disgraceful to a Baylor team that's still returning a lot of players and had a really good year this year, and I think played as a pretty complete and whole unit. Like they played as a team and they're defensive oriented. Something the Big Twelve's not used to. I could I could see them. Maybe coming on at the end of the year strong, but 
starting out, first five six games, I don't. I mean, I don't see nothing. Which is crazy. where they have to play. They have to play Oklahoma in those first five six games. Yeah, it, it's Texas. Texas. Okay. Okay. What's the history of Texas? Too, Mediocrity and thinking that they're better than that. Qu- Quinn. <laughs> They've won like. Three national titles, and the last one they won was in like the seventies. I'm I'm gonna get a poster that says Quinn's Texas Blast. Oh wait, that's a lie. Two thousand five, they won two thousand five. Quinn's Texas Blast. Me, I'm gonna put it up behind you, because how dare you just speak on the Longhorn brand like that? They are, yeah, they're a great brand. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're one not of the, a six like an uber successful one. Oklahoma is a better football program. Wow, I agree. No, there's not an argument to be made. Oklahoma is a more successful football program. But this is Venable's first time head coaching. So? And you think he's going to go ahead and immediately turn around Oklahoma? Who's been poached, he by the way? Poached. They still had a like top recruiting class. And they got that quarterback from USC. What quarterback from USC? Are you talking about Did UCF? They, no. Dylan Gabriel? They have Joe him Dart? too. Oh, yeah. Dart went to USC. I thought he was still choosing was between. That, was that rumored? Yeah, Dart is between it's Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Ole Miss and Oklahoma, but they still have Gabriel's from UCF, and they did that immediately once Caleb Williams went to the portal. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, you Sarkeesian, it's his second season. I think. I think they'll improve. But ten Oklahoma, wins. Ten wins. No, no, they'll be I say eight max. Eight and four, or nine and three. Oh, good lord! Y'all are rude. Rude. I, so, I just don't buy Texas. Okay. What do you think, Chase? I think they're going to win the national championship next year. I don't know. I got to see. But I think you were. Go ahead if, and hop on the Texas backs train and ask everyone who's ever hopped on that train how it works out. <laughs> I'm actually going to wait on my Tar Heels and see how they do. Oh I'll come back God. to them this offseason. I have offseason. more faith in <laughs> North Carolina to win or to at least compete in the ACC title next year than I do for Texas to compete for the Big 12 title. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I'll talk to No, that's just how little I believe in Texas. Well, since you're mentioning the ACC, what about Clemson? Does Clemson make a resurgence back? Yeah, Clemson will be in the playoff next year. That was way too easy. Why why did you just say, yeah, like that? But Texas was just a hard no. Because Clemson's been the second most successful program over the last 10 years. Is that true, McLevin? You believe that? They've won yeah. two national championships. The only other team with multiple national titles in the last 10 years is Alabama. You agree? I agree. That's fact. That's just a... <laughs> but, so Clemson returns, Texas I don't, doesn't. I, I don't, I don't know if Clemson makes the playoffs, but I think oh. they'll be back to where they win the ACC. Clemson is better... From a roster perspective, okay. than everyone in their conference. Okay, Texas is not. Okay, so let like, me—that's the difference between the two schools. All right, so let me ask this with Texas: Does that mean? I think the if, gaps closing on Clemson in the ACC, though. I think North Carolina and Miami are both recruiting at a very good level right yeah. now. Crystal ball with down there in Miami. Do you think with Texas, say they have a mediocre year, eight and four? Eight and or nine and four with a, a bowl win, right? Does that mean you give Sarkeesian only one more year? That'll be his. It'll be going into his third season, and if he has another me, mediocre season, he's done. 
Nine and four with a bowl win, I think, is a sign of upward trajectory. Okay. You give him another year, and as long as he improves, if he steadily improves mm-hmm. on that number, I, I am very much against firing a coach if they are consistently winning double-digit games. Okay. I know that there's people who want their team, like, for example, Texas believes that they should win the national title every year. That's ridiculous. Look at the course of college football. The only team to do it with that level of success is Nick Saban at Alabama. Mm -hmm. It is an anomaly. Some of the greatest coaches of all time, John McKay, for example, has four over the course of two decades at USC. That man is the reason USC is known as a dominant program. He won four. Okay. So winning a national championship is very, very difficult. Most coaches will not win more than two or three. uh, The best of coaches will not win more than two or three. But if he's consistently winning you 10-plus games a year, eventually stuff's going to turn around. Case in point, Michigan. How many years have we watched Jim Harbaugh win 10 games but not win the big ones, and no one ever thought he'd be able to do it, and they made playoffs this year? Now, were they roster set up to compete when they had to? No. But nobody really, or at least I never thought they could. Um, I, I feel like in today's college football, the, the standard for coaches for winning is too high. I agree. You guys both have to explain that. I would love to hear that point. I feel like the standard should be if they're winning us 10 games a year, we're staying in a relevant perspective. Like if your expectation is I want a championship level team and your team is winning 10 plus games a year, you are constantly viewed as one of the best programs in the sport because you are going to be ranked at some point in the top 10 pretty much every year if you're a double digit win team every single season. That should be successful enough, in my opinion. I agree. Well, let me pose that question to y'all. You guys win 10 games. Y'all go 10 and 2 for five years straight. And you lose consistently to your rival each year. Does that not anger you? It angers me, but it's just one game. And eventually you're going to win that game. Yep. You don't lose to Mm. someone forever. Well, not forever, but like if it has to be every fifth year you win that one game against your like if Al- Auburn, Auburn play Nick Saban in Alabama every single year, and only every five years they win that game. Do you not want to try and find a head coach that can consistently win you that game? Look, I think this is another a hard truth about college football that people refuse to accept. There are some programs where it is more acceptable to demand a championship every year than others. Mm-hmm. For example. And I'm sorry for cutting you off, Mel. No, I'll let you go ahead and say what you want to say here in just a second. At a school like Michigan State, winning 10 games a year is better than what they can normally do. At a school like Ohio State, constantly losing to Michigan is not okay because you're used to being the team that constantly wins that game. Yep. Okay. So it really, each job in the sport of college football is inherently different. Yeah, every every school's because I mean I feel like for Auburn, like them playing Bama and competing with Bama or beating Bama, is in sometimes more important to their front off not their front office but you know their coaching 
more rather than say they be a they be let's see what would it be like nine and four and then they beat Bama that year. I think they would consider it a success, successful year. But for Alabama beating Auburn at the end of the year or losing to Auburn and still being twelve and one. From a think of it this way, from a monetary perspective, about a money that's put into a program. Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, Alabama are four of the top eight programs in college football. Mm-hmm. Auburn plays all four of those teams every single year. Mm-hmm. They have better players than you. They have better facilities than you, which is why they have better players than you. They have more money than you, which is why they have better players than you. And because they have more money than you, they have better coaching staffs than you. Auburn is going to inherently lose three-plus games a year more often than a school like Alabama because Alabama has more money that they pump into their program. Hmm. All right. So, like, that expectation shifts from school to school. A coach at Alabama is always going to be measured by how frequently – are you winning the conference championship? Exactly. Like that's the measure because if you're winning the SEC championship, you're playing for national championships. Well, one thing when while we're discussing this is the that always brings me back to this kind of situation. You're talking about uh, uh, fans and organizations should be happy with double-digit win seasons for however many consecutive years. And one that always comes to mind with me in this is Mark Richt. Mark Richt was was always a double-digit win coach, get to the SEC championship game, never could get really past that. He'd win the SEC championship. I think he might have won it once or twice, but he never could get past the hump of getting to the national championship. And he always had successful teams. He had good leaders on that team, and that's what always got me. Then he ended up getting fired or let go, and he went to Miami. I have a, a pretty strong explanation behind that, and I don't put the blame as much on Mark Richt as most people do. And the reason I don't is when Kirby Smart got hired at Georgia, he said in a, to like the boosters and stuff that were trying to hire him, the only way he would get hired on was if the, he got 100% buy-in from his boosters. Because then he said he point or what has been said he did in the interview was he pointed to a, like an image or a map of the state of Alabama and like over generally where Tuscaloosa is and was like over there. They're as good as they are because they have 100% buy-in. When they want to buy some new thing for some for the facility, it's bought. They are completely and totally dedicated to making the football team the number one priority of their athletics facility because it brings them their money. Okay. Georgia then committed to that. Prior to Kirby Smart, Mark Rick's facilities at Georgia were way behind where they needed to be to compete at the highest level of the sport. It was the hire of Kirby Smart that changed their donor perception. And that is such a crucial part to winning at the highest level in college football. It's not even funny. Because if you're a kid who's going to decide where you want to go play and you're told Georgia and LSU are the same caliber, but then you go and tour their facilities and LSU's facility is a $220 billion facility and Georgia's is like a $100 million facility, 
that looks like a really nice high school facility, whereas LSU's facility is the best football facility in the country, where are you going to go? LSU. Are you going to go to the place where your locker room is a metal locker, or are you going to go to the place where your locker room is wooden and has LED lights and a massage chair, and you have like a nice cool jacuzzi that you can go sit in after practice? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so they didn't have that level of buy-in. Mm-hmm. with Mark Rick and I really genuinely feel like that held them back as a program and I, I think you're exactly right I loved mm-hmm. Mark Rick as a coach I mean I thought he was a very manageable coach that would get you those wins um, and that's just why I bring that up because we're talking about those double digit wins but I see a very I, I think it's there's going to be a different landscape change next year in college football I think you're still going to have Alabama but I think there's going to be different teams up there in the top four I'm going to hurt People saw this. I'll go ahead and give you my way, like way, way, way too early projection for College next year's playoffs? playoffs. All right, go for it, Quinn. Everyone here is going to hate me for this. But we'll I'll we'll all do a four. We'll all do a Number four. Number one, Alabama at 13 and 0. Okay. Number two, Ohio State, probably at 13 and 0. Uh, we didn't touch on the Big Ten. Ohio State's roster next year is terrifying. Mm-hmm. They are. They are going to beat up almost everyone in the Big Ten. Okay. Because they went through a similar thing Alabama went through where their roster was way younger than all the other rosters in the Big Ten, and the parity gave them a hit. Next year, their roster is going to be older than everyone's roster and more talented than everyone's roster. Uh, their biggest their biggest threat is going to be either Michigan State or Penn State in, in 2022. Uh, my number three team probably going to be a one-loss Clemson. Okay. I think they have a bounce-back year. Now, if we're talking the future future of Clemson, I think they're going to slowly die, but I think you've got a couple more gasp years before the ACC actually catches up to them and starts keeping them out of the playoffs. My number four team is going to be a one-loss Baylor Bears. Ah, I like I like Baylor. All right, so for me, I got Alabama. Then I have Ohio State. Then I'm going to go across the pond. I'm going to Oregon defensive coordinator hire from Georgia. I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to change some things up over there. It's not just going to be an offensive powered team. So you're going to be the Oregon bandwagon I, guy I, next I, year. I, I think Oregon is going to make it. If they can just stay afloat, they can win their games in the pac 12. They almost made it this year and they, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I think they'll stick up there. Uh, and then fourth, I'm going to be, I'm actually going to just switch around to be Quinn this year. I'm going to go Texas A&M. Are you going to go two SEC teams again? I think A&M sneaks in. I think A&M is my sneak in. Ohio State, I think, is going to be good. I think Ohio State is going – they're still losing key pieces on the offensive side with yeah, both but, big receivers yeah, leaving. But those, uh, this is the thing. The, rec- the receivers under those receivers are just as good. They're going to be just as good. But like, I, Smith I don't, and Jigba – Oh, he's Come amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. He might be the number one pick the he's following year. He's otherworldly good. And those other receivers that were playing in that Rose Bowl were also really good. And I, I think Clemson ends with two losses. I think they just get kicked out. To, to who, though? I think they lose the ACC championship game. I don't know. Cristobal's got me playing around. I think Cristobal's going to do some weird things this year. I think Michigan, or not Michigan, Clemson started slow in mm-hmm. 2021. They got hot by the back end of the year. Yeah. If they wouldn't have taken some of the losses they took early, mm-hmm. they'd have been a playoff team this year. Yeah. I don't think they take those losses early 
in 2022. And just real quick, because I don't know what their schedule is, uh, let's see what their 2022 schedule is looking like. Because if they're not starting with anyone legitimately, like a Georgia-level start, yeah, I think they could be perfectly fine to like squeak their way all the way to the playoff. All right, talk to us. Let's see here. Uh, Georgia Tech, Law Tech, Furman, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Boston College, Louisville, Miami, NC State, Syracuse, Florida State, Wake Forest. I think the only games on that list they could lose are Notre Dame, South Carolina, Miami, and NC State. Uh, That's exactly the four I was actually going to say. Out of those, only one of those is a road game, and it's Notre Dame. Ooh, really? And that's the one of the four that I have the least faith in being able to upset Clemson. Well, the biggest question is who's going to be the quarterback. I don't think it's going to be Angale. Probably not, but they just signed a five-star quarterback prospect. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, so. let's hear McLovin's top four for the playoffs. What do you got? Alabama. Oh, of course. one. Okay. And then Ohio State at two. Interesting. Clemson at three. Okay, he has the bounce-back season. And then Notre Dame at four. Ooh. Oh wow! You're gonna go with the Catholics, man. You know, you know, I was gonna say just to just to get y'all riled up. North Carolina, NC State, NC State. I don't two think they. A, I was about to say two ACC I don't teams. Think they, yeah, they'd no. ever be on par to. If NC State in gets in, it's because they won the ACC with one or less losses. Yeah. And, and then Clemson have to play Clemson, like Ohio State and Alabama yeah. in the regular season to get in yeah. with a loss to NC. I'll State. I'll go ahead and say this too. For those of y'all who are like betters out there that might be listening, go ahead and bet Alabama Ohio State for the national championship game in January of 2023 because I do not see a roster, and I could be wrong. Who knows what's going to happen by the time that season actually gets going? Those two teams just look unbeatable next year. The only team in the country that I think can beat Alabama is Ohio State, and the only team in the country that I think can beat Ohio State is Alabama. Can I can I get one sleeper team from each? From both of you, that may be not on everybody's radars. That could be sneaky. Easily, good. my number five team, which would be a sleeper, I guess, would be Michigan State. I love what Michigan State's doing. They're building the defense first, and then they're allowing their offense to come through. I'll go a sleeper from each conference for you. Okay, that's not like heavily talked about. My Big Ten sleeper team is Penn State. My ACC sleeper team is going to be Miami. My SEC sleeper team is Texas A and M. I feel like most people are going to focus on Bama and Georgia again. Yeah. And out of everyone else in the conference who could win the conference, I think A&M's got the best shot. My Big 12 sleeper team, give me Texas, even though I just got done saying I don't believe in them. I'm I can't consider Oklahoma a sleeper because they win the conference on a regular basis. Like they're the perennial team of that conference. And I just got done picking Baylor as my favorite. So Texas, even though – Kind of Baylor is my sleeper team from that, and I went bold and made them my playoff team. And then Pac-12, my sleeper is USC. I like I would not be shocked if Lincoln Riley came in and in his first year turned that around because of the transfer portal. One of mine, go for it, Utah. That's a good one. I like Utah. They're a stout team. All right, we've talked enough college football. We got to get into NFL. We have our divisional round game. No, 
wild card weekend games. My yep. apologies. Uh, Rams and Cardinals are recording on Monday night. Rams and Cardinals are playing right now. I have, I have an update for y'all. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us Rams Cardinals. Uh, currently, game. it's five minutes left in the game. Cardinals Cardinals are down eleven to thirty one. So the Rams are up by twenty. Five minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the Rams have won. Rams have won the game. They, Looks like they'll play the, the ball on the on the. They, and side they haven't the just won. They've blown their opponent out, which has been like it's it's, it's been the, the wild tune card this whole weekend. Yeah. Wild card weekend. Bengals against the Raiders. Bengals win that by seven. First time again since 1991. Yeah, like we mentioned, 26 to 19. The Bills versus Patriots, 47 to 17. A total thrashing of the Patriots. Chiefs against the Steelers. Big Ben's farewell game is 42 to 21. All Chiefs. Let's, and let's hold right there and just focus on the AFC for a minute. And then we'll okay. get into the NFC. All right. So Bengals, Raiders, 26 19. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. The whole offense yeah. went off this, this game. This was the best game of the wild card. I, I loved it. Um, it had controversy, it was close. Uh, had a good storyline, really, for both teams. I mm-hmm. mean, most people thought the Raiders were dead. They split off four wins right at the end of the year, squeaked into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bengals came out of nowhere to win the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Uh, really a big year for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. My biggest takeaway from this is, like, the AFC North better get ready and be scared of Joe Burrow for the next, like, decade. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. And it's very surprising because, Quinn, me and you especially talked about this whole offseason, how bad the Bengals are supposed to be, mainly because of that offensive line. But it seems like, and really in the playoffs, I mean, they might be one of the worst offensive lines in the playoffs. I think they are the worst. And they still managed to get a win right here, and then they're going to go play Tennessee this next weekend. Um, but the Bengals played a wonderful game. The offense looks good, like Quinn, like you're saying. The next decade is long as barring any injuries, this is going to be a really good team that a lot of people probably one of the best wide receiver cores or wide receiver trios that will be in the NFL for a while. Oh, it's so good! It's so good, and they've got a great quarterback throwing the ball to them. They they genuinely scare me. Now it, it's weird to say because like the team that I root for in the AFC North swept them, which yeah. is really weird. Like the Browns mm-hmm. finished fourth. No, you no, finished, finished third. Um, they finished third in the division. But they swept the division winner, which is a weird, like, sub-fact. And with the Bengals, I'm not going to say, like, they were not great. But you got to remember, they did finish, I believe, what was it, fourth last year in the division. And so they're going to play fourth placeholder teams. I I don't want to get – I don't want to give them, like, a super big break because it's going to sound like Chase and I here are just going to – I don't want to make it sound like excuses for our teams. (laughs) But the reality of it is the Bengals were the healthiest team in the AFC North all year. Exactly. And they played the easiest out-of-division schedule. Mm -hmm. And then the two most talented rosters in the North were both injured all year. Yeah. So, like, that really messed things up in the AFC North. I think that's how you see the Bengals. And it's funny. We got on here in the preseason, and we're all like, the Bengals and Steelers are going to be the two worst teams in the division. They finished top two. And they finished top two. But they were also the two that avoided injuries all year. And that's a huge part of the NFL game. It's not really an excuse built in. Like, that happens every year yeah. across every division. And it's it's part of the game. You have to stay healthy. McLovin, what do you think? Bengals, Raiders in this game? Um. Didn't it? Didn't the the final drive was the the pick in the inside the five? Derek Carr threw the pick inside the five. Uh, so I would say um, the Bengals defense 
did I would I would say did surprisingly good. I mean, considering they allowed one touchdown, they they have a great secondary. Mm-hmm. They just they're iffy on the front seven. See then, so, so that's what concerns me about their next week game against the Titans because they have Derrick Henry now. Who knows how good he's going to be on that foot or how much the Titans are going to use him? But yeah. And we'll get it. I'll get into that game in just a minute. I want to go ahead and recap the other two real quick. Yeah, we'll talk about matchups in a second. Absolute let's, blowouts. Let's let's do the weakest one first. Chiefs Steelers. I I don't think there's much there. I mean, Big Ben against first, farewell game. First I'm gonna be honest. I didn't, I didn't watch the game. Me me neither. I, I watched till halftime, and I, then that's when after the after that that fumble from that TJ Watt went yep. and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. After that, I was watching with my roommate, who is a Steelers fan. Oh wow! So Yikes. you know he was pretty excited, and I was, I was kind of, and, and the the Chiefs started off really slow. Yeah, I mean that game first off was really slow. I mean, mm-hmm. really for the Steelers in the first half, they didn't get past the fifty or got past it one time. They had yeah. like twenty yards at halftime in total offense. Yeah, I think Big Ben had twenty four passing yards at half. Uh, and that's exactly what you're saying. It's very slow. I think it was seven to seven at the end of the first quarter. Defensive touchdown for the Steelers, and then all of a sudden explode in the second quarter. Yeah, the, Plus chief, the Chiefs. It, it was it was zero zero at the end of the first quarter, and then that was I think I don't know if that was the opening drive or the the drive following the second quarter. Whenever they had the fumble recovery, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs twenty one points, three and out. I mean, I think the 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 Steelers punter had like seven punts in the first half, mm-hmm. which is. I think there was five touchdowns thrown from Patrick Mahomes uh, in 12 minutes, if that says anything throughout the game. That's classic Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you can keep them at zero for as long as you want. Eventually, they're going to string off at least three scores. Yeah, and that's the big thing with the Steelers is that their defense was playing well. It's just that their offense couldn't get any thing going in this Mm -hmm. game, which just kept their defense on the field and on the field and on the field. So just imagine if they had any kind of decent quarterback playing with them, I this this and, could have been a lot you know, better year for them. And what's even funnier is I expected this to be the biggest blowout in the playoff games. And it was. It was bad. But it wasn't the, the biggest. Worst. Wasn't the worst. The worst. Bills Patriots. 47-17. to 17. And honestly, it shouldn't have even been that close. It, like, it was garbage time touchdowns. By the Patriots. Yeah, yep. I mean, this game was all the way up to, I believe, 47-7. to 7. At one yep. point, I mean, it was bad, or it might have been forty, like forty to seven. And let me ask this, Quinn: Do you cut your kicker after missing two extra points? Didn't attempt a field goal all game, but two extra points he misses. No, nah, not given where they were playing. Okay, they're playing in Buffalo. It was, it was negative six wind chill, like seven degrees. Seven degrees with a negative six degree wind chill. That means it's like at least fifteen mile per hour winds. That's hard to kick in, like. I'm a firm believer that if you have a kicker that's missing kicks in Buffalo Stadium, Pittsburgh Stadium, or Cleveland Stadium, do not judge them off that. All three of those stadiums get heavily affected by like high winds mm-hmm, in yeah. a way that like a lot of other stadiums don't. Mm-hmm. So it's really unfair okay. to judge a kicker based on their performances in those stadiums. So the stat line for this game for the Bills, obviously, seven touchdowns, no turnovers, and game. no punts for the Bills. Is this the scariest team in the yes. – uh, Wow, Quinn is quick with answers tonight. In, guys the, the, in the entire uh, playoffs, is this the scariest team? Based off this weekend, the hottest. yeah, 
No, they're on fire. They they really clicked in what week thirteen, mm-hmm. and they have not looked back. Now, do you think this is just like a Bills Patriots thing that they might simmer down whoever they play next? No, but the Bills Patriots have been kind of going at it all year because of who they play next. They play the now, Chiefs let's, next. Let's go ahead and get into that. We have Titans hosting Bengals. And we and have Chiefs hosting Bills. Let's do Titans Bengals first because yep. we kind of I feel like let's talk predictions here. Titans, we think we'll have Derrick Henry back. He, do you yeah, think he's, he's going to be fully healthy for this game and be, or is he a decoy? Do you think? No, I mean I think he plays plays, um, and I think he can be effective. The Bengals front seven isn't the best in the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm riding with the Bengals. Oh, they got a little fire to them. Okay, and I I, I like it. I I think they're going to be able to take some shots on that Titans secondary with that receiving core of theirs. That's what I was. I was. That's that's one of my. I got two key points for this game for the Titans. Okay, I'm going with the Titans. Going to go ahead and say that. Okay, Um, passing the ball effectively. So you're mm-hmm. not a one-dimensional team on offense and riding Derrick Henry and possibly hurting him or anything like that. And two is their their secondary. Mm-hmm. Secondary and their front seven have to get pressure on Joe Burrow. And their okay. secondary has to hold up against those wide receivers because if you cannot stop those wide receivers, the Bengals will win this game. Yep. And, and what I'll say about this, I absolutely love the Bengals. I think they are a great team. They've done phenomenal this season. They've exceeded expectations. But in this uh, wild card round, it has been the best of two teams that haven't seen the playoffs in a long, or well, won a playoff game in a long time. The Raiders and the Bengals, I mean, 19 years and 31 years. Somebody had to win that game. I just think the Bengals are a little young. You know, Joe Burrow's only a second year. Jamar Chase, one of their leading receivers, is a rookie. T. Higgins is in his second year. Tyler Boyd is still – he's not a vet just yet, and then the offensive line is not great. I've got the Titans, if they can play any kind of defense, I think they've got yep. this game. I have Derrick Henry over 120 yards uh, in his game returning. It's a strong return. So 120 yards, at least one touchdown for Derrick Henry, and I think they have hopefully a fully – Healthy lineup with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown there, too. I think it's a sneaky fun game because you're talking about two fan bases that aren't really used to seeing their team in the AFC Championship game, and mm-hmm. one of them's going to get there. Now, granted, the Titans were there two years ago, but let's yeah. not pretend like it's a normal thing. Yeah, yeah they the were a Cinderella team be. that year. Correct. And so for either one of those two teams, especially for Titans fans, because that would be an AFC Championship game in Nashville. If they, are good. To, if they are to beat the Bengals, which is, might I have to go. To my knowledge, never happened before. I don't believe so. They might have that year they had the Music City Miracle. Did that happen? That happened in the divisional round, though, not the wild card. So, yeah, I think it was divisional. Yeah, so I don't know where they played the wild card that year, or not the wild card, the championship game that year. Um, but yeah, well, let's it, get in. Even then, it's been 20 plus years if that's the case. Well, let's get into the other one, Quinn, the one you're alluding to, Bills and Chiefs here. Yeah, you were talking about, I don't know if there's going to be a motivation or a letdown for the next one. No, there won't. The last the last time the Bills got put out of a playoff game, it was on the road in Kansas City. And, and that's the where same. they are again. Yep. Mm. That's exactly where they are again. Okay. Except they're not getting put out on the road in Kansas City this in year. In Arrowhead, I you think? I love it. Okay. Love it, Quinn. I'm serious. I... I you know, I think this is going to be the first time. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. 
the Bills for the first six weeks of the year and for the last six weeks of the year looked like the most complete team in the NFL. There was that middle part of the season where they were looking kind of average and looking a little under, like... Underwhelming? Underwhelming. Okay. But they started like the best, took a break, and finished as the best. The Chiefs started abysmal and then flipped the switch halfway through the season. Okay. You were saying the Bills are the hottest team going in. The hottest team going into the playoffs across all the divisions is the Chiefs because mm-hmm. they started like two and six, and now they're a 12-win team. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they won like their last 10 games. Okay. Or they might have started like two and five and won 10 of their last 11. Like it was something crazy of a run that they went on. But I I think there's that extra motive. I think they're – Buffalo has a better defense than Kansas City does. And most years, I'm convinced that Kansas City has unequivocally the best offense. This year, I don't think they're unequivocally the best offense. I still think they're slightly better than Buffalo's offense, but I think that edge defensively is way in Buffalo's favor. So give me the Bills to take care of the. Give me Bills, host Bengals, AFC Championship game. Interesting choice. I I don't know. I mean, how do you I'm not going to say you're disregarding, but how do you not take more emphasis on a Patrick Mahomes led team who is 2 years away from uh 2 years removed from winning a Super Bowl, 1 year removed from being in the Super Bowl and then also that 1 year being removed from getting him embarrassed in the Super Bowl because there's only been four the reason I say that there's only been like five teams in the history of the NFL to go to four straight champ conference championship games mm-hmm. it's a very hard thing to do and I, I totally agree but this is one of the most electric offenses that redefined their weakest part of their offense which was their offensive line this offseason, made some good trades, added some good uh, young linemen. The real, the big thing that's hurting them right now is, I believe, their running back position. And we, they kind of have it shored up. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been hurt. Um, but Daryl Williams and McKinnon have stepped up. I watched the game. I was about a, to say, a, McKinnon was – they used they, him as a weapon. Yeah, and they, they've stepped up, but it's – it's their weakest link because it's not tradition. Their traditional running backs there, and their defense has played really well in this back half of the season. I have the Chiefs. I don't think they allow Josh Allen to come into Arrowhead and win this game in the playoffs. Regular season, throw it away. Nobody really cares. But it's the playoffs. You're Andy Reid. You're Patrick Mahomes. You don't lose this game. So you've got the Chiefs going to Nashville. I do. I have the Bills, Josh Allen, and they they remember they they will remember last year. They didn't just get beat; like they got killed, embarrassed. What what was the score? I don't remember off the top of my head. I I don't either. I just know that it was multiple scores. It was double digit loss in an AFC Championship game. You can keep talking. I'll check real quick. I just hope that they can contain Kansas City. Because I'm not worried about the Bills' offense. Not at all. It's their defense and containing Kansas City with all of their weapons and their possible people that they could go to in a single play. 
It's also like not getting confused by Andy Reid's play calling. I mean, because didn't Travis Kelsey throw a touchdown? Yeah. I mean, like Andy Reid's play. This man literally, like, he's admitted he'll dig through like 2003 Texas Tech footage and go, oh, I like this play that they ran and throw it in his playbook just because. So uh, the Bills this year during the regular season about 18. beat them 38 to 20. Last year, the Chiefs won 38-24 in the playoffs. That's a 14-point loss in the AFC Championship game. That's rough. So, uh, to further that point, do you remember last year in the playoffs where they did that little, like, they lined up three people backfield, and they all did, like, that weird spin, and then they snapped the ball to the running back? Yep. He, they asked him where he got that, ga- that, that play from. He got it from the 1988 Montana Grizzlies. <laughs> In the FCS semifinal game. Oh, good Lord. Like, that's... What? Exactly. What is that? <laughs> Who does that? Well, let's talk about who's doing what in the NFC. First, we're going to start off. We have the Eagles against the Buccaneers, who lost 31-15. to The Eagles did 49ers with the upset over the We Them Boys, Cowboys, 23-17. to And currently, like McLevin has said, the Rams are up big on the Cardinals. 34-11, to 11, a minute left. So the game's basically over. So it should end 34-11. to 11, The Rams moving on They'll to go play to Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers. Right? Yeah, they'll yep. play the Buccaneers. So. The Rams will play the Bucks, and uh, what the 49ers go to Green Bay. Yep, yep. So Buccaneers, Eagles first, seventeen nothing at halftime. I don't it, think it's much of a game. It's about what I expected. The Eagles long shots. It, it, they were long shots. It was it was a miracle that that roster made it to the playoffs. This is becoming a trend in the NFC right now in the seven team expansion, where that seven seed. They're not really good enough for you to buy them as a winner. In fact, in two years now of the 17 playoff, only once have I been convinced that a seven seed team could win, and that was the seven seeded Colts against the two seeded Bills last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Every other two seven match has been terrible. The Bears played the Saints and couldn't move the ball mm. uh, last year. And then the Steelers were way outmatched by the Chiefs. And the Eagles, they just didn't. They they played with guts, but they did not have. They they, they scored in the fourth quarter. That was all their yeah. points was in the fourth quarter. And when it was game. over, like yeah. they had lost. They just they didn't have the weapons necessary to beat playoff Brady. Well, this, the stat I got from the Eagles this year, they had nine wins. Going into the postseason, seven of their nine wins were against teams under 500. So it was against like teams like Giants, Jets, Jacksonville. They probably should have beaten. They should have beaten. So they weren't. They were fraudulent. I'll say that they were not a great team. Not fraudulent. You won nine NFL games. It's just like they, yeah, they beat the Falcons by 26. So just you know, talking yeah. About so it's not. It's teams. not a lot, right? It's, the NFC's just not quite as strong as the AFC. Yeah, so you're exactly. able to you're able to pick up some wins that. You know. And so that's so. Let me ask this because I've seen a, I've seen some speculation about it. If you're the Eagles, are you in the market for a quarterback? I'm no. not convinced that you are. You think you're set with Jalen Hurts? I don't think you're set with Jalen Hurts, but I think you're willing to keep giving him chances to see how he might play out over the next like two a, years. A test or like a in between quarterback as kind of like keep giving him shots because isn't is Gardner Minshew? I mean. I would say he's Jalen Hurst took you to the playoffs. Backup. He took you to the playoffs, and it's only his second year. You've got two more years on his rookie deal, and then a 
No, you won't have a fifth year option because he was a second round pick. But you have two more years on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Just let it pan out. See how he does. You know, I mean. Okay. There's okay. no need to rush him. Okay. Like, and so on. The you're also not. I mean, this is not a good QB draft class anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, you've got another year to just evaluate Jalen. Okay. So on the opposite side of the ball, the Bucks. They're defending Super Bowl champs. How are we feeling about them? Do they look like they can go all the way again? They look good, but so does two of the other three teams in their field. Did did Chris Godwin play? I was I didn't watch. Chris this Godwin's game. out for the season. He's out. He's done with the ACL. I believe so. Because I know Mike Evans played, um, and then Gronk, of course. So we feel good about the Buccaneers and how they played. I mean, they only scored fourteen, two touchdowns in the second half against an Eagles team. I'll get into them in a minute when we talk about who okay. they're going to play in the next round. But all right, so the next game, an upset and a controversial play at the end of the game. 49ers Cowboys. 49ers won this 23-17. 49ers were up in the fourth quarter, looked like twenty-three to seven, and the Cowboys started nipping back into the game. And then they couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter. What do we feel about that game? Oh, it's Cowboys doing what the Cowboys do in the playoffs. <laughs> America's team. I mean, the forty. I, I picked the 49ers going into the game. I felt like their offense was going to make less mistakes, and I thought their defense was good enough to shut down Dallas, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, their defense, for the most part, shut Dallas down mm-hmm. until late in the game. And then you mentioned the controversial play call. Well, it makes no sense. It doesn't. I was and I feel like I'm I'm going to throw this out here is that a lot of Cowboys players organization brass fans that they're going to blame that loss on the referee running into the uh, to Dak Prescott in the center to try and touch the ball well, because they, that's they, part of the play he has to but I think they're going to say that to where they couldn't get the playoff that I mean Dak should know that he has to touch the ball. For the play, for them to be able to run another play. So what I've heard is that why don't you just give him the ball instead of trying to give it to your center? Yeah. Yep. If you know he has to touch it, and then he can set it. I just I don't. I mean, and then I've heard that he could have slid five yards less, and that maybe gives him another two seconds. But mm-hmm. still, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. I think it was just a bad call overall. McCarthy even came out head coach, former head coach of the Green Bay Packers. We know Aaron Rodgers has had frustrations with him. Uh, McCarthy said that was the play call, was the quarterback draws what they were doing. They're trying to get into uh, inside the 30-yard line. I think that's what they were hoping for, and then they couldn't get him out of bounds. Because that was a big thing is Dak Prescott runs right up the middle. He doesn't run towards the sideline, doesn't. Doesn't do it. He runs straight up the middle into the middle of the field. No timeouts left. You have about eight seconds after you get up. I mean, I think it was a terrible play call. It, it was. You need to be throwing the ball when there's that little time left in the NFL because the clock's not going to stop if you get tackled inside, like inside the white lines. I I'm, I understand the play call and the idea behind it, but at the same time, it's just. Because before that, the the Forty ers defense really wasn't playing a sideline prevent. I mean, they were they were they moved forty yards in four plays. Yeah, they were doing little out routes. But then then that play before they started setting up on the sidelines, so they could not do that and keep mm-hmm. getting closer. Now let me ask this: a healthy Forty ers team, do you think they're good, or the Cowboys just was this a fluke game for them? 
I think a healthy 49ers team is a significantly better team than the Cowboys. Okay. I think a healthy 49ers team could actually be held in the same, almost the exact same candlelight as the other three teams in the NFC that are still left. Okay, we'll get into them in a minute. The Rams-Cardinals just went final 34-11. to Rams the entire way. 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, by the way. So some garbage uh, points from the Cardinals. How do we feel about this one? Cliff Kingsbury's play, like playbook is fraudulent unless you have like a loaded receiving core. Like All you're doing is playing the air raid. Mm-hmm. Unless you have your D-hops, it's not going to work. Like especially against an elite defense, which the Rams have. Yeah, and that's that's been my biggest. Thing. I don't like Kyler Murray at all. I don't, I'm not. He's not a bust. He's just not this MVP elite quarterback. Because a lot of people say he's already better than Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP, who's been one of the best uh, dual threat quarterbacks since he's entered the league. And Kyler Murray has not done that. And they're saying he's better than Lamar, but when he doesn't have his number one receiver, probably arguably the number uh, top two receiver in the NFL at any given time on the field, he's not as good. But my issue with that, I don't think it's Kyler's fault. I think you're playing a system that relies on receivers being really good. The air raid, if you're throwing on every down and the play routes are not very complicated, they are based on the receiver just being a more athletic and better receiver. Mm -hmm. The issue I have with the air raid being used in the NFL by Cliff Kingsbury, it's a very college-based offensive playbook where you can sit to yourself and go, my players are going to be better than your players. Yeah. If you want the best example as to why the air raid doesn't work in the NFL, let's take a look at who I think is the best air raid coach and is really the person that, Kingsbury got all of his stuff from. He comes from the Mike Leach tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike Leach in the SEC. Look at what Mississippi State does when they play against Ole Miss, who has three and four star defensive players, versus what they do when they play Alabama or LSU, who have some of the best secondary players in football. Like Mississippi State will put up nine points against Georgia or Alabama or LSU, and then they'll turn around and hang sixty on like Ole Miss or Auburn. That's an exaggeration, but it's to stress the point that like when an air raid team is going against people who are drastically under-talented from them, it can work. Now, when you go to the NFL, though, those corners are really good no matter who you're playing. Bad corners in the NFL are still good enough to stop the air raid unless they're having a guard D-hop because he's otherworldly good at receiver, and there's just not many corners out there who can stop them. But if any team who can stop the air raid with ease, it's a team that has two elite pass rushers and an elite corner, and that's the Rams. And I I, I was not shocked to see the Rams win this game, especially without D-Hop on the field. All right, well, let's get into the next round matchups then. So we have the – uh, Buccaneers and Rams, and we have Green Bay and the 49ers. Which one do we want to start with? Let's start with Green Bay, San Fran. Is, is that not a rematch from a couple years ago? It's a rematch from... When the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right? Two years ago? Yeah. The 49ers beat the Packers to I go to the Super Bowl. believe so. Okay. But I'm pretty sure the Packers might have beat them last year. 
I don't think the 49ers made it last year due oh, to yeah, some they injuries. Didn't. They I don't didn't think they made the injuries. Yeah, you're All right, right. So 49ers, Green Bay, how are we feeling about this game? Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. It's a team from California playing a playoff game in Wisconsin in January. Will be a cold game on 16 degrees. Give, give me the Packers. They're a better team. Would they have the better quarterback? I think the coaching is slightly in favor of the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I think the defense is slightly in favor of the 49ers. I think the conditions are heavily in favor of Green Bay. I like the Packers. Quinn, do you think the Packers cover the spread? What's the Five spread? and a half. No. I think the game's probably a four-point game. What do you think? Give me Green Bay, too. Just because I think they have the better. I'm going to compare it as offense versus defense. Offense for Green Bay, defense for the 49ers. I think the Green Bay is better. I got the 49ers. And the reason, if this is a healthy 49ers team, they're not far removed from going to the Super Bowl. The reason they haven't been back to the playoffs or back in Super Bowl contention is because of injuries. But if they have a healthy team, if Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, all of these guys are on the field playing for them and playing healthy ball, this is a really good team. The only quirk I have or the quarrel I have with the 49ers is they have to get Kittle more involved in the game plan. I think he had one target the other night in that game, and it might be that game plan. They needed to keep him out of the game to win against the Cowboys. But you have to get him heavily involved. He's one of your best players. You are using Debo. Everybody knows you're going to use Debo. you got to stop Debo. you got to get Kittle into this game. And your rushing attack has to be prolific against the forty. I mean the uh, Packers. Packers don't have a great defense. They have decent corners. And their front seven is average. So I think if you can get the running game going and extend plays with Debo and Kittle, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think regardless, it's going to be exactly what Quinn said, three to four point game for me. But I have the 49ers in this one. And now the second one we're going to talk about, the defending champs, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady led against the Rams. What are we feeling? You asked me earlier if I thought the Buccaneers were like, you know, like repeat or have had what it took. Mm-hmm. I think they're good. I think the Rams are better. The Rams are hotter. The Rams have more talent across the field. The Rams are playing at a higher level. The Rams have less inner locker room turmoil. Mm-hmm. Stafford, I think, wants a ring. I don't want to say wants a ring more than Brady because one of the things that makes Brady so good is the man's never done, and he always wants another one. But give me the Rams. I think there's more swagger, more confidence. I think their defense plays a major, major role in helping them win this game. Unlike the the last game in Green Bay where it's projected to be 16 degrees, it's projected to be 63. And this is a team from California going down to Tampa Bay. Um, I I was kind of I was kind of hoping you would go with the Buccaneers cuz I was going to go Rams because like you said, the Rams have better talent and I think Math, Matthew Stafford wants it and he wants it. He wants to bad. He wants to prove that he deserves one. Um, I think this game is going to be really close. I would not be surprised at all if it comes down to two-minute drill, last possession. That, But if it comes down 
This one's tough because it's it's tough to pick against Tom Brady. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, you would know Tom that as a Brady. Falcons fan. Exactly, and that. Oh, uh, I. Give me the Rams. Well, go ahead and pull out your brooms because it's going to be a clean sweep. I got the Rams too. Uh, and the main reason I have this is two reasons. Chris Godwin and Levante David, both out for the season for the Buccaneers. Huge, huge, huge pieces of their championship run last year. Definitely Levante David helped him get a huge contract in the offseason. I think those are going to be big miscues for Tampa Bay. you got to put more pressure on Gronk, Mike Evans, and then defensive side of the ball guys to perform in this game. Like you mentioned, I, I love the Rams. I've, I've said in the offseason, Rams are my Super Bowl guys. I'm going to keep saying it. I think they have what it takes. They destroyed the Cardinals tonight. They were missing D-Hop, but they destroyed the Cardinals tonight. I'm excited to see what they do next week. So, Quinn, you, uh, Bengals-Titans, you had the? I had the, uh, I had the Bengals, and I have them playing the Bills in Buffalo. And then for your NFC matchups, you have? I have the Rams in Green Bay. Okay. And then for the your AFC? Bills-Titans in Nashville. Okay. And then NFC? And then I have the... Rams and Packers. Packers, yep, in Lambeau. All right, so I had the Titans and Chiefs in my AFC Championship matchup. And then we will – I had the 49ers and the Rams. So the 49ers in L.A. Yeah, that's an NFC West uh, matchup. All California on that one. Oh, look at that. Uh, in the NFC. SoCal versus SoCal. So next week, hopefully, we'll have Freddie in attendance. So if you guys don't know as well, Freddie has moved to Birmingham. So we will have to start doing Zoom calls and pulling that audio to get the podcast rolling. But hopefully, Freddie is with us next week so we can talk some more predictions, see where those games lie at. Uh, and we'll bring you that next week. But that is all for Episode 73. I've been Chase Glover. I've been Quinn Norris. I've been McLovin. And we are the Talking Heads Podcast. Podcast.